Date of recording, the 7th of January, 2021. Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Media with Vedanta Kari. For today's episode, we're talking about growing up with communist cartoons. I mean, there were definitely a lot of cartoons of communist themes. Soviet cartoons would be a good descriptor also. Okay, so today's episode is about growing up with Soviet cartoons. And my guest for today is Dasha Charapko. Hey, Dasha, welcome back to the show. Hi, as always, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, you just want to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Dasha Charapko. I am a second year student at Florida State University studying history and French. And I am from Belarus. I have spent four years in Belarus. And that was like, I went to pre-K in Belarus and watched like little Soviet cartoons. Well, I mean, Belarusian cartoons, but there's a lot of old cartoons from the Soviet era that we watched. And then we moved to the United States and I grew up here primarily. But my parents are still very in tune with the culture. So I grew up having best of both worlds. How much do you remember living over there before you moved to the States? So I remember a very glorified version of Belarus because being four years old, I wasn't really aware of the political realities going on. So I wasn't aware that we had like a dictator. I wasn't aware of all of these hardships. All I remember about is um, playing with my friends. I remember going to our summer house in the summer, like this house called the dacha. I had the good stuff, like having fun. So nice. nothing serious. How would you describe your history with Soviet cartoons? I mean, as a little kid, obviously my parents were busy people. They were both teachers back in Belarus. My brother, he had to watch me a lot. And you can't constantly be playing with your child 24-7. So obviously they throw on cartoons sometimes. And even when I moved to the United States, I'd watch a lot of cartoons. Like at that point, I started watching American cartoons too. So yeah, that's how I would spend my time. And we had a lot of cartoons that were very similar to Tom and Jerry. So the two that pop into my mind are Nulpagadi, which is about this chain-smoking wolf who always chased after this bunny. Well, I think he was a hare, but yeah. And like, I think the one thing that really stuck out about this cartoon in particular was the music choice because they played a lot of the popular songs that were big hits back in the old days. And then there's this other one called Leopold, which is about this really friendly cat who's constantly being harassed by these two mice. It's surprising to me that they had a chain smoker in a kid's cartoon in Russia. Oh, yeah. Um, the last couple episodes, I believe what they did is they slowly caught up to the fact that, hey, maybe smoking isn't really healthy and we shouldn't advertise that to kids. So they actually replaced his cigarette with a lollipop. <laughs> they went the four kids route. <laughs> yep, they're like, shouldn't promote smoking because smoking was actually a really big problem for a lot of the um, Soviet, well, ex-Soviet Slavic countries. Did you grow up with any American shows while living in Belarus, or was it just Soviet cartoons? There was a lot of cartoons that were translated into the Russian language that I watched. So SpongeBob was one of them. When I was a little kid, I was obsessed with Dora. She also had my name. 
because they changed her name to Dasha. So I'd always be like, wow, this is a show about me. I'm a little four-year-old narcissist. This is amazing. I love myself. I'm going to continue watching. Yeah. And, and we had Dora, SpongeBob, Cat and Dog, I think. Oh, I love Cat Dog. And I'm just wondering, so when you moved to the States and saw the American translation, how different was it from how you saw it in Belarus? So honestly, I think I was a little bit too young to notice the differences in translation, if that made sense. I don't 100% remember, but I think that the Russian Dora might have taught English instead of Spanish, but I don't remember. Once again, though, if you're if you're looking for like to see the cultural elements of these countries, you do want to look at like the cartoons that were produced in those countries. So, like I can give you a couple more examples of some of the cartoons that I've watched from back there. So I already talked about Mupagadi. There was also a Russian Winnie Pooh. And it wasn't a translation. This was like its own cartoon, Vini Pooh. And there were like songs there. It was really cute. Um, what else? Mishariki. Mishariki, as a young kid, that was my absolute favorite show. And my dog, well, my previous dog before he passed away, he was named after one of the main characters, Kurosh. And I also have a bird named after one of the characters, Pian. It's basically about these tiny little animals and they live in a village together and they're like very close. And they do teach moral lessons to kids. And they're kind of fun to visit as adults too, because they really do tackle some really interesting topics. Like one episode was literally about finding the meaning of life. Do you, do you still watch a lot of them today or have you mostly started to prefer the American cartoons? I like cartoons from both cultures pretty much. And I do still watch the, some of, like I said, Smushadiki, I feel like is really fun to visit as an adult because you don't really appreciate some of the moral messages in the show until you're a little bit older, I feel. I feel like sometimes it's even more enjoyable to watch it now than before. There's also this show called A, a Cat Named Wolf, and I like to watch that one every now and then because it's just really cute. If I'm in a really bad mood, it's something really cute to watch. It's about this little kitten, his name is Wolf, and he goes on it's basically like his life. He has a best friend named Shadik, who's like a little dog. And it's just 12 minutes of cuteness. That's how I, that's all I can say about it. And were there any Soviet cartoons that were propaganda that you watched growing up, like Soviet propaganda? Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of the cartoons, I feel, emphasize community a lot, where I feel like a lot of the media in the United States, obviously, is a little bit more centered around individualism. It's so like the cartoon that I mentioned, Smishariki, that like is my favorite one. That I feel like there's a giant community aspect to it because they're literally living in like a little village. They're all helping each other out all the time. Like there's also kind of a rejection of modernity a little bit because there was one episode where like they all start getting these typewriters. And then all of a sudden, they're not seeing each other anymore. They're just holed up in their own little homes in the village. And then at one point, like one of the characters ends up breaking into all their houses and destroying it. And then they go back to the good old days where they got to see each other face to face and stuff. And I feel like that's a good representation of the culture because a lot of people are a little bit 
wary of technology, if that makes sense. Yeah, but it also emphasizes the community aspect. Like it's nice to go visit your neighbors and see them face to face. And then one one uh, cartoon that I can tell you about that definitely has propaganda elements is Nisnaika Nolunia. So Nisnaika is like this little tiny boy. They live in this little tiny village. Once again, it's always about these little tiny villages that work together. And it's kind of like a tiny society. They all help each other out. They all have their own specific roles. And the roles are kind of defined by their names. So Nisnaika kind of translates to one who does not know. And he has a foil, Znaika, which means like one who knows everything. And he's like a scientist and he builds all these things and provides solutions for like the little people in the village. And what happens is they end up going to the moon. But plot twist, the moon is a capitalist society where it's run by big business and there's homeless people. And he befriends a girl who's like struggling and suffering and living under a bridge because, you know, they don't look out after each other. And it's definitely... Uh, it definitely criticizes capitalism quite a bit. And that's not something I really noticed until a later age. And it's also based off a book that was really popular. The Nisnaika books were very, very popular back then. And my mom read them to me before bed. And you don't really notice that kind of stuff when you're older because you don't think about it too much. It was actually a very, very good cartoon, very well made. And the story is very good too, very well written if you read the book. So... Yeah, I've yeah. never I've never heard of the Misnaika book series at all. Is it exclusively Soviet audience based? Yeah, I think so. I think I've never seen it referenced anywhere in the United States. Is it in English or is it in Russian? It's the books are in Russian. It was written by a Russian author. I think Russian author, Russian speaking author, I should say, because I'm not absolutely certain of the nationality, but Yes, it's a Russian language book and Russian cartoon. But that being said, I would not be surprised if there was an English translation somewhere out there. So have you watched any content post-Soviet Union when it became Russia as we know it today? And if that's the case, then how is the Soviet era content different from the Russian era content today from what you've seen? There definitely are modern cartoons. And I think that I've seen a couple they're, I don't know exactly how I should describe them. I think that they care about comedy a little bit more. I feel like they're a little bit less philosophical in nature, if that makes sense. I don't want to sound like one of those people, but I feel like the Soviet cartoons that I've watched, they are they're just a little bit more intelligent or thought-provoking, if that makes sense. From what you've noticed, do you feel like the style of cartoons that you grew up watching, are they starting to die in... Russia in terms of popularity and production, or are they still like more popular these days than say American cartoons? There's like spin-offs and stuff like that. And I know that for Quotidia Bolt, they recently started like a new series where like the style, the animation style is a lot more different. It looks more modern. So there's more episodes of that. They revived that. But yeah, a lot of these the cartoons are still popular and their people are still trying to kind of make money off of them. Would you say that there's an increasing amount of Western content in Russia now in terms of cartoons or just television in general? Oh, definitely. I think that Western cartoons are kind of everywhere. Um, I actually had a conversation with someone who was from France, one of my ex-French professors, and he was kind of talking about how he doesn't like Disney because he thinks that Disney is killing the imagination of kids worldwide because 
every single kid around the world is getting fed the same stories. So I know that for, like that's I'm not gonna go that extreme because I do like Disney cartoons. I don't think that they're healing imaginations, but I do agree that they're very, very popular worldwide. In the in Russia, especially, like Frozen is pretty popular there. All of those cartoons are very popular. And like I said, I grew up watching Dora and SpongeBob and those kinds of shows too. So even when I was a little kid, Western cartoons were very popular there too. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same when it comes to Indian shows, you know, like I think today at least modern Indians, like, you know, teens, young adults are starting to abandon Indian shows and start watching American shows like Disney and, you know, Game of Thrones and whatnot. And they have the right to do that. But on the other hand, it starts to feel like they're starting to lose their individuality when they're abandoned. I wouldn't even say abandoning anymore, but just shedding their cultural roots. It feels like they're trying to lose their individuality over time. I, I kind of agree with that. I feel like it just kind of kills culture a little bit, if that makes sense, because in all cartoons, you can kind of see like cultural elements reflected in them. So when you have cartoons that are popular on this global stage and they have like this monopoly on the animation industry in general, and I feel like it does kind of end up like shutting up the culture a little bit, like westernizing the world a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. it's a tough. I think it's a tough balance when it comes to, say, Russian cartoons or even Indian cartoons, where you know your audience is more modern than say a generation or two ago, and so you have to balance both the modern elements, like bringing a modern touch to it, while also sticking to the cultural roots. I think it's pretty hard sometimes. I agree. And like kind of going back to the question you asked me about modern cartoons, I feel like what has happened is that they're kind of trying to compete with companies like Disney and other animation companies, Western animation companies, because a lot of the cartoons seem to be emulating that kind of style. For example, there's a lot of old Soviet cartoons that have like a very distinct style, like Chiburashka, for example, if you look at it, you, I, there's really not a lot of Western cartoons that look like that, partially because a lot of the people and like the alligator Jana and the little creature Chiburashka, I'm, I'm pretty sure like part of it was maybe claymation or something like that, but it just looks very distinct and different. It has its own spice and flavor. And nowadays, all the cartoons are kind of trying to look like Frozen or Disney or something like that. So I feel like there's that's kind of the difference. I feel like they're trying to compete a little bit too much with cartoons overseas and United, cartoons from the United States. And so would you say that one era is better than the other or just that they're different? I don't necessarily want to say that one is better or worse. But what I will say is that I feel like the cartoons of the Soviet era were very unique. And I feel like if you look them up, you will kind of see what I mean. I'm not an animator, so I can't tell you the specifics. But for example, like one of the very early episodes of What Leopold, which I talked about, um, a lot of the background was like cut up, cut up using like paper and stuff. So it wasn't even like really animation. And it looked very distinct and different and kind of cool. And like the animation style kind of changed over the years, but I feel like 
the people were willing to be a lot more creative during that area. And because of that, the cartoons ended up, they ended up having their own distinct flavor, which so it, I think is very nice. So it kind of looked like very early South Park with the paper cutouts. Is that an appropriate analogy? Mm, I don't know. I haven't watched South Park. You know the the style, right? It's like, it looks like paper cutouts and whatnot. Yeah, except not to roll South Park, but I think it looked a little bit better. <laughs> It's different. That's the thing. I'm not trying to make a lot of comparisons. Also, we have to realize is the cartoon I'm talking about is also a children's cartoon. I feel like with children's cartoons, like at least they people usually put in a little bit more effort. For children's cartoons, especially for young children, they don't understand a lot of concepts yet. They don't understand, like for example, if we're going back to Smishariki and the meaning of life episode, like that kind of flew over my head when I was a little kid I was a lot more concerned about like the visuals on the screen and the visuals kind of helped me understand the meaning a little bit so like this little lamb sheep dude who's like this poet that's the main character of that episode he's like going on this adventure now he's in the mountains and like you can clearly see him struggling I feel like the visuals help little kids understand what they're watching a lot so I feel like people animators they kind of care a little bit more about visual details when it comes to kids movies meanwhile a lot of the adult cartoons that i watch and i'm not dissing adult cartoons because i like them i love bob's burgers that's one of my favorite shows but once again if you look at bob's burgers or if you look at big mouth for example i don't think that visuals were their main concern when they were creating this cartoon i think that the concern is a lot more on the comedy behind it and the plot behind behind it if that makes sense because adults are a little bit more in tune to that are there any other themes in the soviet cartoons that you grew up with that you'd like to mention like some sort of commonality besides that community sense i feel like the ones that are geared towards kids kind of focus on the typical life lessons that you see in almost any cartoon internationally so be kind to others um, that's a really big one. That's one that I've seen in pretty much every single one of these cartoons that I've mentioned. I mean, the two mice who always harass that cat in the show, Quot Leopold, like they always, all of their schemes always fall back on them. And then at the end, the cat's always like, hey, friends, let's live in harmony together. That's like his little catchphrase. And Mopagadi, like all of the wolves' plans always you know, catch up with him and he never succeeds. And like the nice bunny, everything works out for him. With Sumishariki, it's all about community and working together and like being nice to one another. That's just a pretty universal theme, but I feel like that's not really unique to Russian or Soviet cartoons. I feel like that's found pretty much internationally. How accessible are Soviet cartoons to say an American audience or just any other foreign audience? There are a lot of cartoons um, that are actually adapted from stories of other cultures. For example, we have a version of the Snow Queen, and the story is a lot more closer to the Hans Christian Andersen story than Frozen is. And I feel like a lot of different cultures will recognize that, and it's enjoyable for a lot of people. We also have our own version of Pinocchio called Buratina, and it's not exactly like Pinocchio. But they just basically borrowed the idea of a wooden boy. And I feel like a lot of people can recognize that and enjoy it too. And a cat named Woof, I've actually seen that blow up on media. 
for its cuteness not too long ago, at least on Tumblr. I don't know if you go on there that often. I don't have I a try, Tumblr. I try not to go on there too often. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I've, but I've seen it, yeah. There's also Dr. Aibalit, which is basically Dr. Doolittle. It's about this little, uh, this little, this doctor who speaks to different animals and he cures them. And then there's like these pirates who are like trying to eat the animals, I guess. And he comes over there and he's like, hi, don't do that. Don't eat the animals, please. And it's like a cute little story too. What I'm trying to say is a lot of the stories are adapted from from very familiar stories that people internationally are kind of familiar with or that other sources. There's also Carlson on the Roof. There's a cartoon called Carlson on the Roof, which is based off a children's series written by a Swedish, I think she was a Swedish author. And it's about like this lonely boy who really wants a dog and he doesn't have a lot of friends to play with, but he has a hyperactive imagination. And he comes up with this little man who lives on the roof who like keeps him company and they get into shenanigans it's really cute so i feel like a lot of these stories kind of tackle common childhood themes like loneliness in the case of carlson and getting up to mischief also in the case of carlson but also a cat named wolf there might be some cultural references that might be confusing but overall it's accessible and of the number of soviet cartoons that you mentioned how many of them actually do come with English subtitles? So I have found the Nieznaika Nolunia before with English subtitles when I was searching for it. A Cat Named Wolf definitely has English subtitles. There's this other really cute cartoon that I found that has English subtitles, but they're not very good. It's called Prostakvashna. At least, oh, I hope I pronounced that right. That one's really cute, but the subtitles aren't so good, unfortunately. Mupagadi, you don't need subtitles because all the wolf says is Mupagadi, which just means, oh, just you wait or something like that. So I guess my final thing is, do you have any other shows, any other Soviet cartoons that you like to recommend to listeners? They also made a Treasure Island cartoon, I'm pretty sure, by the same people who made Dr. Aibayit. Yeah, those are the ones that I can think of right off the top of my head. Oh, the Prostiklashna. I really hope people know how to spell half of these. I know it's kind of hard. Um, I wish that in a podcast I could kind of type it out, but unfortunately I can't. I think that the ones that are the easiest to find are just type in the Snow Queen Russian, um, Carlson on the Roof Russian cartoon, Treasure Island Russian cartoon. Yeah, those, those are pretty good ones. All right, Dasha. So do you have any final comments about anything we discussed or forgot to discuss? Well... I don't know. I, I don't mean to call you out, but you said that you were going to ask me what communism was. So <laughs> we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> no, I. that is a very dense question. It's a very subjective answer, what communism is. Oh, man, I was ready to go. That's fine. Do you want to go? I feel like that's a topic for a new podcast, a whole nother podcast. <laughs> communism, the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if you ever have time to start a new podcast, no, I don't. But yeah, that that's it. Thank you.